Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined, as always, by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So I like to start each episode by asking you guys what you've been listening to lately. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Earth since they uh, announced a new record and a uh, tour, which they're coming yeah. here for. So, uh, you know, digging back through the whole discography. Yeah, I was checking out this uh, debut album by a band called Sasami. Hmm. Uh, it just came out um, like a week ago. What does it sound like? Well, it was a recommendation that I noticed on Mitski's uh, uh, Instagram. Of course. So ah. That'll... <laughs> That'll probably be enough, because it's kind of in that vein. Nice. I'm going to see Mitski uh, next month, actually. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's I, not um, fair. But I had another concert experience, semi-concert experience, that I want to tell you guys about. Get your take on it. It's kind of like a, am I out of touch, or is it the kids who are wrong situation? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I attempted last night to see Earth Eater, not to be confused with Earth, Earth Eater, um, at the hideout in Chicago. And basically, you know, try to keep it short. I, everything I could find, it just said the earth eater was playing and it's pretty avant-garde, you know, high art type of stuff. And I'm just sort of used to, you know, I was expecting like chairs and you know, that's the only performer. There aren't going to be a bunch of openers and stuff like that. So anyway, I get there like an hour early. It's a really cool bar, the hideout, um, you know, booze is flowing, having a good time about nine this DJ starts playing and um they're they're fun. It's kind of like a uh one oh tricks point never kind of a vibe. And um, you know, it, it's like it's not really danceable, but it it was like sort of a fun, good, good mood, okay? Um after they play for a while, this other DJ comes out, and uh again, it's pretty abstract stuff. Um pretty abrasive, kind of awe-techery type of stuff. And I mention this because I've been to many shows, like DJ type shows, and people expect kind of a full night of uh, dancing. You know what I mean? It's not uncommon for there to be like, what, four or five openers uh, before the headliner plays at like one or something. Um, However, this was not really danceable, in my opinion, and everybody's just kind of standing watching. Then at about, I don't know, 10 something, this... uh, this woman comes on and I don't know what earth eater looks like. So I thought maybe this is earth eater <laughs> and, uh, it's somebody named matches. It turns out they're a Chicago person. And it's like the most, I mean, it was really cool. It was, it was really avant-garde, like Tony Conrad type of shit where she's just like playing this like droning thing on what sounds like, you know, uh, a, something making synthesized noise, but it's not even meant to be a synthesizer. And then these two, girls beside her are like hitting tuning forks and it's like warping and bending like in this feedback kind of way and she starts like droning on the violin and it went up for a, a full hour okay and then after she finishes she says you know stick around earth eater is next okay at this point it's it's like midnight all right and i am just so out of steam <laughs> i don't see any signs of earth eater like getting ready to start <laughs> And so I just fucking left. I was like, I, mean, I had had a full day, like walking around Chicago. I mean, does that sound insane to you, or am I just getting too old to go to concerts? You're getting a little. You're getting a little old there. You're oh, fuck. It's midnight. 
that's a that's that's a little old. Um, well, I was gonna say, but I mean, he's preaching to the choir here. I mean, we're we're all uh, we're all up. There. Yeah, we're all older than him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not that it's like midnight necessarily. It's that since eight o'clock, I've been like standing watching abstract, you know, no, sound. I, no, I, I feel yeah. I, I hate when bands have like a shit ton of openers. When I saw Autecker, um, there was like some DJ, and so my wife and I like purposely came like forty five minutes late, and we got there, and the DJ was you know already in the middle of playing. So I was like, oh good, we only have to deal with this for ten fifteen minutes. Uh, wrong. It was like another hour and a half. We still had to <laughs> listen to. It. I hate that shit. You know, it's I just mean, so annoying. like was... nobody wants to see that, right? Like everybody just is I, there I know. For... I mean, it was like a good vibe, but I wish they would have like said anywhere on any promotional material at all, my ticket or anything, that there were going to be so many openers because I would have like shown up at, you know, 11 yeah. or something. And, you know, instead it was like, I'm just like wiped out. You know, I've been, you know, because you drink, you drink to kind of crescendo during the headliner, but yeah. instead I crescendoed way too early. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like you had a full night. I know. The main event had even occurred. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you at all. I mean... You know, I think the idea of like just kind of filling the club with like, you know, a bunch of different bands and DJs or whatever, that's fine. But like, make it clear that, you know, you're, you're not really meant to get here at 7 p.m. or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I know. They sent out a tweet. It's like at nine o'clock tonight, Earth Eater descends on the hideout. That was wrong. Okay. (laughs) She hadn't descended at midnight. So, I mean, really, the date of the concert was incorrect. (laughs) And she didn't play till the following day. Oh, my God. Anyway, I guess we should get into today's uh, topic. March 1st, that was just two weeks ago now, marked the 50th anniversary of a pretty mythic event in rock history. The night Jim Morrison had a complete meltdown on stage in Miami and allegedly, we don't want to get sued, tried to incite a riot by exposing himself and possibly masturbating while screaming obscenities at the audience. Or as Dan likes to say, he whipped his dick out. Uh, (laughs) Kept sending us texts along those lines. For the record, Morrison maintained his innocence, and the case was still unresolved when he died on July 3rd, 1971. Fortunately, thank God, the governor of Florida officially pardoned Morrison in 2010. I I really love that. Was that Rick Scott that did that? Charlie Charlie Chris. Chris. Oh, okay, okay. Rick Scott would do nothing. We should mention that we're all three from Florida. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So we've been following this story closely (laughs) for 50 years. Years now. Our whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, uh, this got us thinking about the Doors and their legacy. Everybody, including us, seems to go through a passionate Doors phase in their youth, but at some point, at least among the indie crowd, decides their albums are cringy, pretentious, or worse, irredeemable dad rock relics. So we decided to revisit and rank the Doors studio discography. Not counting the post-Morrison albums, I'm afraid. Um, Though, honestly, those could be fun to review sometime. Uh, But we're going to try to figure out how this discography holds up roughly five decades later. So let's start by going over our personal histories with The Doors. Dan, did you kind of have that experience that I think is typical of a lot of music fans that I just mentioned? Oh, oh yeah. I like I was the, the Doors were like one of the first bands that I like really got into. It was like them and the Beatles. And I I read like every book that was out. Uh, mm-hmm. I read like all of Jim Morrison's like stupid ass fucking poetry books. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read them all. I've like yeah. I watched that shitty Oliver Stone movie. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I, I I've spent a lot of my uh my early days uh listening to 
reading about and uh, thinking about the doors. Yeah, I think Gabe, you like kind of perfectly summed up my experience with the doors. Um, I was just a massive fan. I don't know if you remember, but like I had this enormous poster of Jim Morrison in mm-hmm. my bedroom, larger than any poster <laughs> on my wall. Um, you know, I, I, it was every like I don't know what it was, but I, you know, was just totally, totally caught up in it. Uh, I tried to write my own like terrible poetry, just trying in any way to like emulate jim morrison you know but uh boy do i feel like totally totally different about that like looking back just kind of makes me cringe about myself to be honest (laughs) so so you guys you guys would say that like like now i mean before maybe possibly if your opinion changed i don't know yet but but before this week or these last two weeks you were kind of down on the doors still not me honestly i you know i'm not as like obsessed with them as i was when i was a kid and i probably went through a couple years where i did like you know not listen to them and and maybe would have said you know the first album's good but you know that's it or something but um and now no i i i still like the doors um just not obsessed with i've like in my old age i've realized that like morrison is like a dickhead and not (laughs) not cool or anything like i like i thought he was before you know like i've matured on it but i still i still like the doors yeah i mean i wasn't necessarily like down on them but i certainly wasn't spinning their records uh often at all um you know and uh, going into it like this week I, w- I i was having the hardest time understanding how this man died when he was 27 like <laughs> by the time we get to like his the later albums i swear he's like 40 years old you know what i mean it just it's yeah, so, yeah. so strange and we'll, we'll get into that but yeah it's it's weird yeah i mean for me i think that i kind of struggled to get really into the doors at that age you know and i remember you guys being completely obsessed and I certainly listened a lot, but I feel like I was more into the mythology than the actual music. You know, I loved that Oliver Stone movie so much. I mean, it was so like glorious, just this like reckless downfall of this tortured genius, you know, and, um, and, you know, I would think about stuff like, like in that movie, I haven't seen it a really long time, but you know, they do this part where like not to touch the earth plays, for example, and He's like on stage just dancing around wildly and it starts to sort of fade into like this Native American like ritual (laughs) and it's like the crowd disappears and he's just like dancing around a fire and and then, you know, you put on the album and it's like just a song, you know, it's just it's like just a I mean, it's a cool song, but it's like, you know, one second you're just like, hello. I love you. And then like the next second, it's like this not to touch the earth and it kind of sucks the like drama out of it. It's just one of their songs. Um, so it just never really stuck with me. And then I will say without spoiling too much that actually maybe five, six years ago, I, for some reason gave the first album another chance and was just like, holy shit, I totally missed this. I mean, this is unbelievable, but it, it had been a long time since I listened to the rest of their discography, which we will certainly talk about. So we've got six albums to rank, six studio albums. And uh, let's start with Dan. What is your number six, your least favorite Doors album? All right. Uh, my least favorite, and I, I pray to God we all agree <laughs> on this one, is The Soft Parade. Uh, it is... Yes, yes. That is also my number six. Same, same. Good, good, Wow. Good. That's an easy, uh, that was an easy one. Yeah. I, I figured that would be the case. It is just... 
an awful record. I, I never liked this. Re- when I was in my heyday of Doors worship, I still never really liked Soft Parade mm. all that much. You know, I would maybe lie to myself a little bit, but I never really enjoyed it. Um, it's just, you know, they it, it just uh, sounds like a band that is lost its steam they're you know they're adding horns for god knows why it just it turns it into like some sort of uh oldie soft rock kind of thing uh and then um you know there's just none of that magical spark of of the two records that precede it It, it's just it just seems like a band that's that's bankrupt on ideas um and but i this is sort of the first album that you can kind of tell jim's losing it a little bit uh, he's really checked out yeah he sounds like very uninvolved yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so so why did you put a number six darren yeah i mean for a lot of the same reasons that uh dan listed you know i i will i do want to mention that i feel like touch me is is a banger that's it's fantastic is is, is still great despite all the horns but um yeah i mean it just it's it really kind of sums up the problem that i feel like i have with the doors as a whole because after like the first two albums just like you mentioned dan it's like they've run out of ideas and i feel like and i don't know whether this is true or not but i feel like there was like some sort of clash between how morrison you know you you gotta imagine this guy is probably like just way out there and these other band members the organ player and the the guitarist and the drummer are like more down to earth and they're just like wanting to come up with something and and they're probably you know i I feel like there was just a struggle to like figure out where to go next you know and i don't i wonder whether jim was was all that influential uh in like the music choice for the soft parade or if it was one of the band members that was just like well let's just try horns and you know what i mean like it just yeah. All of the all of the great like the fun the best the best part of the doors without a doubt is Jim Morrison and he is like kind of lost in this record. Interesting. I know the answer to your question because of uh said reading every goddamn doors book. <laughs> uh, yeah, J- uh Jim was like fucking trashed uh when they were making this record. He wasn't there a lot of times. That's why the chorus on Running Blue is Robbie Krieger rather than Jim. He was too drunk uh-huh. to sing it um he couldn't even even wait a day to record it yeah yeah i know i guess um this album is the first one like krieger wrote uh, most of it and even a lot of the lyrics and stuff it's the first record that's uh credited to each individual member rather than uh the band as a whole and everything but also the uh the producer is like supposedly the one who really push them to put strings and horns and stuff into it. And from what I understand, um, you know, the band members were kind of into it, but Morrison really was not. And I think he was already kind of checked out, but that really made him completely uninspired. Um, You know, what's weird about that is that I think you're right, Darren, that the best song is touch me. And I kind of like tell all the people as well. And so and then what, what's weird about it is that for basically the entire middle of the album, they just kind of abandon the string horn thing for mm-hmm. a while. You know what I mean? And I always want to like this album more than I do. And I often will give it a, you know, over the years, it's like, I'll give it a listen. And those first two songs, I'm like, this is cool. Because I think at the time, um, it must have been pretty controversial. From what I understand, it was, you know, sort of seen as them selling out. It doesn't sound like... 60s rock it sounds more like i mean he's singing with such like a crooning kind of sinatra type voice on these first two songs especially Mm -hmm. um you know it must have sounded like old 
out of date kind of pop or like washed up crossover attempts. And it's weird because in today's world, I don't think it sounds like that at all. I think it sounds kind of inventive and interesting, like an interesting symphonic kind of chamber pop art pop thing. You know, we've had like this whole tradition since then of, I don't know, just think of how, how big that became. Like, the flaming lips or something mm-hmm. bringing in those kinds of ideas or um you know i think about like grizzly bear or um i don't know the gay parade uh by of montreal or beck or something you know like this um this idea of chamber pop um joanna newsom i don't know incorporating strings and horns and stuff and it's it doesn't sound like a sellout move now. In fact, right. I wish the whole album was like that. You, you know what I mean? It, it would make a more sense if it if the whole album was like that. It, it seems like such a half baked idea because it's on half the record only. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but one of the big things, you know, that it, it's almost like they're trying to sort of um, follow the template they had set with the first two records. You know, like the the first two records both end with like a big long, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dramatic piece. And then so this one ends with the soft parade, the title track that's eight minutes and 40 seconds long. And yeah. that song just sounds like th- a bunch of 30 second ideas <laughs> yes. that weren't. So that you don't great like it anyways, because I can't decide. It's like, I kind of like, I like it. parts of it. I like some of the parts of it. Um, like, but it's just, it just doesn't work. You know, it, it just seems like such piecemeal and just, just lazy, you know, it, We'll get to it, but uh, Waiting for the Sun, they had tried to do this sort of similar thing, Celebration of the Lizard, and they couldn't yeah. ever get it, failed. And this, it, it's weird that that came after this, because they failed here, too, you know, with the suffering. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that, that that song is is bad. Well, what, what do you think of that song, Darren? I actually don't mind it. You know, I was going to mention that <clears throat> some of my favorite Door songs are these, like, ending tracks that... Uh, I feel like are, Mm -hmm. you know, more of Morrison really getting his chance to, you know, you know, jump into the unconscious, man. You know what I mean? Like really get, (laughs) you know, on waiting for the sun, like it actually, he, he doesn't get that because it ends with like five to one, which is still a phenomenal song. But like, I feel like the one thing that's really missing from that record, and we'll get to that one, obviously is that kind of sprawling mm-hmm. the end when the music's over type of track. So I, I still appreciate the soft parade as a song. It's not out of those three that I, you know, the, the end and when's when the music's over, it's obviously hardly compares, but I, I like it. Yeah. It's a weird, it's like just such an oddity that yeah. it makes it kind of like interesting and fun. Um, it sounds like a Frank Zappa song throughout the big chunk in the middle. Like yeah, to the point bit. where it's almost like, you know, I, I would think, it was satirizing uh, 60s pop if maybe Morrison was a little more self-aware, which I don't think he totally was, but um, really Zappa-ish. And then I think that whole blues and then occasionally Samba type of part uh, that like stretches out for the last five minutes is just great. Like It just grooves so good. <laughs> and it has that quality that I think you're mentioning, Darren, where they kind of stretch out. That's what's weird is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but... You know, you said, I actually want to talk about this probably when it comes to every album, but you know, that what makes the doors is Morrison. And I find that the strangest paradox because it's like the, these stretched out instrumental passages are often like my favorite parts of the doors. And, you know, it's, it's great actually to have Morrison like kind of wailing or speaking poetry or something over it. And you just kind of know he's like lurking in the background or something and he's going to go nuts. But, 
Um, you know, those kind of grooves, those jams are really, really great, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, the instrumental portions of that are, are critical, but, you know, and well, I guess we'll probably address this on other albums, but, like, the worst songs, to me, are the ones where, like, Jim Morrison just doesn't really feel present at all. Like, he's kind of, like, constra- constrained into, like, a simple pop song, you know what I mean? Like nothing yeah, nothing yeah. real poetic nothing real like interesting and weird and crazy it's just mm-hmm. him attempting to sing a song and it's just so uninteresting you know what i mean i think like the reason with these big instrumental things they like work well even even though i agree with what darren said that jim is the best part of the doors but I also agree with you, Gabe, that I do enjoy these big uh, uh, instrumental passages. And I think like what it is is because, you know, those happen and then it's always like when it's over, there's a big burst of, of Jim coming back, yeah, you yeah, know, it and, right and it's right always now. like, yeah, exactly. You're always like, I don't know, like imagining what what he would be doing on stage because, you know, like, yeah, you he'd, are, be, yeah. he'd be going nuts or something, like, you whip, know, so you kind of think about that or something, you know, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got his dick out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carrying a lamb. Um it's just like it's 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 making you like want want jim to come back you know but but not in like a negative like uh you know i'm I'm bored of this instrumental you know you just like want to see him explode uh back at you and i don't think the soft parade the, the song um ever does that and most of the old you know the the other longer songs the end uh light my fire and all they all have that sure. like big explosion uh when the music's over i think has the best one um not to jump too far ahead or anything but you know like though we don't get any of that on this record in fact like i don't think they even played many of these songs live too much the uh yeah, my, yeah. imagine it would the be miami some of those yeah the miami show is for the soft parade tour and while they didn't play many songs at all uh the only one they <laughs> tried from this is is touch me but i think they played like two bars of it before jim called it <laughs> off um <laughs> That's great, but um, one interest one interesting thing about this record uh, came out two days before uh, the first moon landing. How about oh, that? It's oh pretty Very neat, right? Well, I um, yeah, I don't know if I have that much more to say other than the first two songs are cool and inventive and almost represent like an interesting path that I kind of wish the Doors would have like taken or at least devoted a whole album to. Um, and then I'll say that like Shaman's Blues is kind of a cool song. I sort of, like I sort of like that song. Yeah, I like spirally high guitar thing. Um, but basically, the rest of it is just. I mean, we get into these kind of like just totally forgettable anonymous filler type things, mm-hmm. and then we get into like Running Blue and Wishful Sin, where the strings come back and stuff, and they're actively bad songs. And then, like we said, I think the Soft Parade is like weird enough that it's kind of a must listen type of a thing but is there anything else you guys have to say about this one i think that about covers it first yeah that yeah. all right well <laughs> we can uh we can go back and compare and contrast as much as we want jump all over the place but dan what is your number five doors album all right number five i've got morrison hotel oh, me too <laughs> me too God, i wonder if i wonder God, if, what if we just have exactly the, same, the same yeah what if we just have the same list wow <laughs> wait wow. i have a question how quickly did you guys put your list together was it was it real difficult did you struggle at all hmm. i i you know i 
I did it before I re-listened to everything. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out my list just from memory. And I did it, and I, you know, just to see if it would change you know, with, with age or whatever. And uh, it didn't. So I, I kind of <laughs> put mine together fairly easily. No, I put mine together like moments ago because it was like I knew what would be at the bottom and I knew it would be at the top. Right. But then the middle, it was, you know, I, I will say that honestly, like the doors... I mean, the soft parade is not good, but kind of other than that, these are, I would say, all strong albums. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, oh, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. All right, so you're about to talk shit about Morrison Hotel then. Well, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Morrison Hotel, um, I remember in my youth, I used to like really love this record a lot. Um, but uh, this, again, I feel like has a lot of Jim kind of like in like a checked out sort of mode you know what i mean not at nearly as much as the soft parade but like for instance i, I have a really hard time listening to roadhouse blues and i know that's like wow I, I know i know i know but that's listen a hear slapper me hear me out they do it so much better live like there is like a live record most of their live records actually start with this song and it, it, he's just so much more lively like huh. the songs just like bump live you know and here it just feels so like I don't know. I just feel it feels so uninspired. Strange. Yeah. Um, I I sort of agree with you. I, the I this record is another Morrison's a little checked out. I think he's a little less checked out than, than on Soft Parade, and that's yeah, and sure. that's why I like it. But this this one is, you know, if this was their only record, you know, if they didn't release anything else, this was their first and last record. You know, they would be like one of those sort of bargain bin bands i think and like you maybe you'd stumble on this get it for cheap and then you know there's there's a couple bangers on here you'd enjoy it but you know that that would be the end of it It, i don't think they would be you know mythic or or legendary or or anything it's just an okay record you know it's not bad it's not it's not great it's just an all right record and i mean that's kind of my question about particularly this period um you know, maybe maybe this will step on things a little bit, but it's like I, I constantly struggle with the idea of uh, the Doors. Do they just become sort of an ordinary band like toward the end of their career? It sure I mean, seems like it, like just a rock so, band, you know? Yeah, like it, I mean, Dan, would you say there's something like kind of you were just kind of saying the opposite, but like, is there something special about the Doors on Morrison Hotel? Like, this is the Doors, or are we just saying like this could be anybody? Uh, you know, I don't think it's quite this could be anybody. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it could be. I'm, I'm looking at the, the track listing again. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, nothing here. If, if somebody was like, I've never heard The Doors before, make me a playlist. Um, I, I don't know if anything would really, you know, make it from this. Maybe Roadhouse Blues possibly waiting for the sun but i wouldn't want to confuse them since that's not actually on the record it's on um, i mean it's this is a weird album right because yeah. basically it was it was talked about as a return to form it's the follow-up from i think that just Parade. means no horns though <laughs> yeah basically but you know it, it was like soft parade was such a critical and commercial i think disappointment and this came out and it was all like, oh, they're returning to their roots, back to basics, you know, and um, I think it was really widely acclaimed at the time and is now a little bit, you know, lower in their discography. I, I kind of want to ask later on, 
does the just existence of LA woman make this feel more underwhelming because they are kind of like dipping their toe into the blues thing Mm -hmm. that they will then kind of like totally go for. But what makes it so weird, right? Is we kind of kick off with the blues. We got roadhouse blues track three. We got, you make me real. And it's interesting because, you know, instead of like the electric piano, we've got the, uh, sort of like a honky tonk piano, Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, that uh, Ray Manzarek is playing. And it's just like, you know, kind of an intriguing, interesting new sound. Peace Frog is a real slapper. Yeah, that's a great um, song. I'd put that, I, I I take it back. I would put Peace Frog on that playlist. I'm saying. Yeah, okay, yeah, th- that is yeah, a banger. Good, good. Yeah. That would have to be. But then we've got some weird stuff because Waiting for the Sun is obviously a holdover from uh, the album before this, Waiting for the Sun. And it sounds much more psychedelic than the kind of blues direction that they're moving into. Um, Indian Summer is even weirder. It's from the sessions for their first album, and it sounds like the end in miniature to me. Yeah. Like it sounds so similar, and he sounds noticeably younger yes. to me, and it just feels <laughs> so out of place. And yet, because early in the record we have Waiting for the Sun, later in the record we have Indian Summer, right in the middle we have Blue Sunday, which I think is kind of a nice, like almost psychedelic kind of thing and it's cool how peace frog flows right into it and so it's kind of like a bluesy record that has these pepperings of their earlier selves and it sounds totally disjointed but then Mm -hmm. i feel like when i listen to it it it, it flows kind of nicely i mean certainly better than soft parade you know you know this this record sort of feels like an ep with some b-sides like tacked on to make a full lp um, yeah, because like like you said, you know, a lot of it is holdovers from two records ago, three records ago, and yeah, it just it, it's some of the songs individually are good. I don't, I don't think any of the songs are bad, except maybe Land Ho. Um, that's weird that's a weird one yeah, yeah I, don't I don't really like, like that, that track I, don't, I don't really like ship of fools land ho and the spy like all three of those I'm, i could just... well i kind of like the spy but I, what i, I kind of yeah i like the spy what i find interesting is like ship of fools and land ho so that would be like the end of side a and then the beginning of side b they're both kind of goofy songs that then like weirdly have like a strange middle section both of them that gets kind of like droney and strange mm-hmm. um where it's like, I mean, especially on like Land Ho, I think there, there's just like a um, strange like note. Like it's like the the guitar and bass and stuff just eventually are just holding one note and it's just getting sort of trippy and strange. And then it kind of like goes back into this silly, goofy, honky tonk shit. And it kind of makes me think of an interesting middle point because I think not to spoil it, but on L.A. Woman, they'll do a little bit better pulling like this kind of dark undercurrent out of the blues um and those songs they give a little taste of it that i find sort of interesting in like a doors historian kind of way you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean this this album is basically la woman light it, it's mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't perfected it yet uh no beard on jim on the cover <laughs> he's 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 chubby but he's not no beard yet so he's, not, he's not quite like mastered the blues yeah <laughs> a little bit <laughs> What do you guys think of the closing track, Maggie McGill? I, it, it, they've completely abandoned the you know big giant uh, closer, which is good. If you can't do it right, don't do it. Um, it. It's an okay song. I you know it doesn't really feel like a big giant you know a, a big ending statement or anything. Um, right. It's just yeah. another song. 
it grooves good though it's got like a nice groove kind of similar to like the last stretch of um the soft braid title track uh it's got a nice groove and it's getting harder and i feel like on some of the songs on this album they're you know they're like playing the blues but they don't sound like a kind of muscular blues band and they kind of get that right on la woman but the last song for some reason sounds the heaviest and uh like the best indicator of the quality that we'll see on la woman how do you feel darren yeah i mean i i I wanted to mention that this album came out three years after their debut but it sounds as if Uh, 10 or 15 years have gone by (laughs) and they're just returning from like a long hiatus or something it's true it really is nuts like when you look at the like cut you know look looking at the door finding the doors you know many years after their end you just sort of think like oh you know this band was around 15 20 years or something but like it's really nuts how much stuff they released in such a short period of time and how much they changed uh between Mm -hmm. records you know from the first record to la woman is almost a different band and it's only like 10 years it's it's really crazy yeah, it's absolutely insane. Um, one thing uh, I hesitate to bring up now, but I kind of have this feeling that like, well, maybe I should save it, but it's like early on, they are this incredible synthesis of a lot of different things. And then it's like, as as their sort of career comes to an end, they can't synthesize them anymore. They just are like, all right, here's a blues song. Here's a like strange Baroque pop song. You know, like, and then they eventually settle on like just the blues or whatever, but it's, um, it's odd. You mentioned it before, but that they just emerge so fully formed, um, and then just can't replicate it or won't even try. I mean, which is it? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's weird because let's see, Morrison Hotel is like 1970 and LA Woman's 1971. It's like the, as soon as the sixties like ended, you know what I mean? Like the decade is over and all of the mystique and all of the, the high is like all gone. You know what I mean? Like it's just stripped away and they are just a regular band now. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. I, I, I keep on saying it, but it, it's just like shocking how different they are between their self-titled and Morrison Hotel and LA Woman, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just a minute ago said I, I thought it was like ten years, but it's only four, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forget. I like nuts. even I, I I can't even I know the answer and I can't even wrap my head around it. You know, first record comes out January fourth, nineteen sixty seven, and the last one, L.A. Woman, April nineteenth, nineteen seventy one. That that's I don't think any other band uh, changed so much in such a short amount so, of time so dan what's going on with jim at this time i don't really remember like why i mean he he starts gaining weight is that what the deal is like what, why is he so different i guess i i think this is sort of like the post can't get post miami whip your dick out can't get both <laughs> uh can't get uh um booked in here i couldn't think of the word um can't get booked anywhere so that they um you know weren't really touring and everything so i think that made jim's um addiction substance abuse problems way worse because he's just sitting around you know bored and everything so he just eats a lot apparently or i those are the chubbiness probably from drinking he i don't i don't he was more of a drinker than a a a hard drug guy i think yeah i think so yeah i mean 
I don't know, everything that I understand, and we'll get into this more, but is that he actually was kind of like excited by the blues direction, but it was like the other stuff he just was, I don't know, couldn't get, couldn't get into. So I think this is him kind of moving on an upswing a little bit, but, um, Okay, we can come back to this. I wonder if we're going to have the same number four again, but Dan, what is your number four? Yeah, I do wonder. I kind of feel like we might not, but uh, my number four is Waiting for the Sun. Mine too. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, not for uh, me. Oh, Darren. Not for me. Finally, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, Dan, uh, why did you put this in number four? I mean, basically now, I think we've we've gotten into the records that are all great the, the everything okay. left is is fantastic so you know it's 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 a little bit of splitting hairs um uh, getting down to this but you know of, of the like sort of psychedelic uh tinged records this is the the weaker one um we sort of alluded to it earlier but you know they wanted to do this big grand giant song called the celebration of the lizard and they just uh-huh. could you know they've recorded it over and over and over just couldn't get it working and so it's like a little, you know, five to one ends it, which is a fantastic song. But, you know, it's sort of breaking from their um, their template yeah. and, you know, just sort of seems a little unfinished, you know, um, but but a great record nonetheless. You know, I, I was really kind of like wobbling between three and four a lot because, you know, I think that this sort of, you know, it's funny to say like this period of the doors because, <clears throat> you know, it's like. <laughs> two years the first two years versus the second two years but kind of in this early period i mean just their sound is so classic and so unique i mean just Mm -hmm. when they're like hitting you know like on five to one at the end of this record i mean one of their best songs it just sounds like the best 60s band ever basically but they have this kind of thing and i'm sure we'll talk about this more but it's you know it's 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 kind of like they what they were they were working at, as the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go, writing a lot of songs, playing a lot. I don't think the drinking had gotten out of control, um, and it's almost like they wrote all of their good songs then, and then they kind of just kept sort of like stretching it out. You know, some of these like songs on here are some of their earliest compositions, and you know, it's not exactly true, but it's just like this early period. They're so inspired. And you just feel like as you go through these first three albums, it's more and more like that first wave of inspiration padded with some not so good stuff, some kind of rushed filler that they had Mm -hmm. to like fill the album. And so this is a hard album because I think the best songs on here are some of the best door songs, some of the best like songs of the sixties. And, um, and yet it's all over the place. It just sounds like a bunch of <clears throat> outtakes. Like I said earlier, it's hard to move from Love Street to Not to Touch the Earth. It just yeah. sounds like, I mean, Not to Touch the Earth sounds like the most like, almost like demonic, like just like in that movie, you know, like chanting, yeah. running wild around a fire or something. It's an amazing song. Um, it's, it's amazing. That's part, that's part of Celebration of the Lizard. Yeah, it works yeah. better yeah. in Celebration of the Lizard, but right. <laughs> but in this context, it just follows Love Street, which is one of like the you know cutest like ro- romancy yeah. kind of songs that they have, and then it goes into like Summer's Almost Gone, which is you know one of these. This also has a lot of like really slow kind of sometimes meandering songs. We got weird stuff like the Unknown Soldier. I think is fantastic, but like, does it mm-hmm. need to stop for so long with this like? little skit of somebody being shot or whatever you know it's just like 
crazy. And then, you know, we get like the My Wild Love is another kind of like it almost is similar to Not to Touch the Earth and that it's like a weird chant, like a weird, you know, summoning some evil spirit or something. And yet it's just like kind of thrown in the middle, like as if it was any other kind of poppy song that they're writing here. It's weird, right? Yeah, this record doesn't have the the greatest sequencing uh, of all. I agree with you. It, it does sign, sort of feel like a little thrown together. The Unknown Soldier skit is pretty annoying. I think he, they put that on here because, you know, Jim would do it like live. And it's pretty, it's right. pretty like cool live because he would, you know, act like he was getting tied up and, and, and shot and, you know, the song would explode. It was that Jim explosion I talked about earlier again. But yeah, yeah it kind of falls a little flat uh, on on record. Uh, they could have done without that. But um, yeah, my wild love is is great. But in a weird in a weird spot, Love Street and Hell Hello I Love You, like those two go go good together. You know, they're real similar. But then yeah, it's weird to go straight into Not to Touch the <laughs> Earth. Uh, but f- Five to One is one of the best Doors songs and That's probably right, one of the best songs of the 60s uh and i love hello i love you a lot of no yeah that, that's a great song. i think it's no, annoying i think that's one of their best singles are you a hater darren no i'm not a hater i i'm sitting here thinking about how i'm gonna have to defend this album later on when i when it gets wow to my list yeah if you put if you okay. contrarian put this at one i'm gonna drive over <laughs> to your house and i'll flip punch you in the balls. all right <laughs> well then we can uh we can save it we can come back to it and have have that fight a little later um but your number four, Darren, is what? My number four is L.A. Woman. Okay. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, I thought <laughs> you guys were too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Dan, I think the, the next four records uh, are all great records. You know what I mean? Uh, and to be honest, uh, two through four, I think, could be interchangeable depending on the day and the mood. And that's kind of a... <clears throat> to me that's kind of a problem that i have with the doors and that in that i just can't like we'll obviously talk about it but there's just not a whole lot of like 10 out of 10 from start to finish completely solid you know what i mean like there's always like something that like some sort of hiccup or you know some yeah. song that just feels like it yeah. doesn't need to be there or whatever um anyway but la woman you know is I guess of these later, the later two years or whatever, um, by far the best, you know, I, I think Jim bearded Jim is, uh, you know, he's fantastic. He's totally different than, you know, Jim from two years before that or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I think that the whole blues and the, the mix of, of like rock, that whole thing just kind of comes together so well. This album None of the song, none of the songs really feel like they are leftovers or B sides or anything. I feel like they are fresh takes. They seem to flow pretty well together. You know, L.A. Woman uh, and Riders on the Storm, like absolute great. This is songs. You know, yeah. This is something I like. You know, without jumping ahead, it, on the Doors, the first album, they nail this where it's like end both side A and side B with like a climactic right mm-hmm. song so in that case it's in that case it's a light my fire and then the end oh yeah, um, yeah. then they they just like forget to do this and <laughs> they kind of forget to like care about sequencing or do any kind of flow basically for all these albums and then on this one they fucking nail it again and it's like why didn't you just do that the whole time <laughs> yeah. because la woman and riders on the storm they just end side a and side b so much and it's just they have these like seven eight minute songs that kind of anchor the whole thing 
works I mean, so it makes well the, for them. Yeah, and it makes like the smaller songs, you know, more fun. Like a, you know, just the the idea that like "Love Her Madly" is just like this three minute great kind of pop song. It hits harder, you know, when you are sort of building to like these big grander gestures. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, they're like little appetizers for like leading you up to the the big old main course. Yeah. Right, and you can like kind of think of the record as truly as two sides, not like just a random spotting of of songs, as you sort of mentioned on waiting yeah. for the sun. But like here, it it just you know you've got your side A, and when when it ends with Ellie Woman, like it there's like a completion to that. You know what I mean? Even if it just yeah. existed as an EP, like that that feels complete. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've talked about this before, but I think the Doors are like definitely one of those bands that. Uh, uh, really benefited from the the vinyl record and having to flip it yes. it be, because those first two records and LA Woman both have that that side A is is a piece side B is a piece type thing uh, that's sadly lost in the uh, streaming age. Yeah, but you you feel it on this album. And I, you know, I'll yeah, just you could tell. Sort of you could ahead. you could guess where where the break is if you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll just sort of jump ahead because my number 3 is LA Woman. Um and it's I think it's that cohesiveness, you know, that that's what makes this one of their best records. It's not that like the material is so great, but it's got this kind of consistent vibe. So stuff like Been Down So Long or Cars Hiss by My Window, they're not super exceptional blues workouts, you know. But um Morrison sounds like he's really into it, like he's really having fun and sort of uh you know, just giving it his all and the band, you know, you can sort of tell. And from reading a little bit of the backstory, a lot of these songs were sort of built from jams and, you know, you just can tell that like, I mean, it's just like a great kind of driving record or just like, cause there's so much energy. Everybody just seems like so into it and committed to the project. Um, and then those blues songs give like a nice structure to everything because something like the, the changeling or love her madly or even some of the weirder stuff like La America or um, Hyacinth House is actually kind of really poppy. And then I think it's a little weird um, because there are these super straight blues songs scattered throughout the record. It kind of pulls that part of the song to the fore, you know, so like Love Her Madly is basically kind of a chamber pop song. But because it's in this context, you kind of hear the blues roots of the way that song is written. Um, so even the little even the variation fits into the puzzle um i think that's the best part about this record one thing i would ask though the wasp i don't think i get this song isn't this like a fan favorite or something darren do you like this song i don't like that song actually i what's up with that song i i like the wasp in fact and this is very embarrassing but i i quoted the wasp as my uh, uh yearbook quote <laughs> when i was a senior um, fantastic <laughs> very well explain it to me what i mean what i don't know what it's, am i missing i mean when i was a kid it was like oh fuck that's some poetry but like as an adult so what I, was the quote? Like, I gotta i gotta know what the quote was uh no eternal reward will forgive us now for wasting the dawn which is Ooh. incredibly mm. embarrassing incredibly <laughs> so um yeah i know but uh yeah you know i but i think that's a good example you know when when i was young you know shit like that sounded fucking deep as hell and like super <laughs> rad as an adult it just sounds like nonsense and like some dickhead but um i don't know it's a cool song because like 
you know, like on uh, Strange Days, you have, um, what the hell is the name of that song? Um, the Horse Latitudes, where, you know, Jim's yeah. just sort of speaking. Um, and it's a little boring. But at least on, on the Wasp, it's that, but like the band's got like a kind of a groove going behind them and it's uh yeah yeah it's just kind of like a it's different and it's um it's pretty neat i think um i did i, I don't know if it's like a fan favorite i, I don't i don't think i've ever i hate it. the I, I hate the ending like you go into this like super long instrumental portion and then it just kind of circles back to this like i don't know i just don't find it all that exciting like it just it felt like so unnecessary to have to like wrap it up with a repeat of well, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I I can get that, but I don't know. It, it's just like a fun, different. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a, a different piece. You know, there's not another like song, not by the doors that I can think of that that reminds me of it. Um, it's and true, I, and it's I enjoy true. that. I think it's a fun little it's a fun little groove before we get into Riders on the Storm, which is. You know, just it's like a top five door song in my For opinion. Sure. It's it's fantastic. But okay, so let me get this straight. I just jumped out with my three. Dan, we haven't heard your three. Yeah, my number three, not LA Woman. It is it is Strange Days. Oh, hmm. that's my number three. Interesting. Nice. Okay. We're back okay, on so track then. How come? <laughs> You know, this one, it, it seems like a continuation of the first record. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, that's that's a good thing and a little bit of a bad thing in, in the fact that it, it, it's retreading um, quite a bit. But but there's some, I mean, When the Music's Over is is one of the best Doors songs. Probably the best uh, song they would do live. Um, I got real obsessed with Doors bootlegs for a while. Big surprise. <laughs> um, but... You know, but but you got tracks on here. I mean, basically everything on this record is is good, minus maybe horse latitudes. But yeah. even but even horse latitudes. only like a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah, it is a minute and a half, and you know, it's like a okay, a little breakup between unhappy girl and uh, moonlight drive. But I mean, the title track, that's a cool song. You know, it's like definitely because that was uh that was sort of a hit, and it's like a little psychedelic and a little spooky. And, I think it's uh, like the know, earliest use of a Moog synthesizer in a rock song. Actually. Oh, really? Nice. Um, you know, it's just like, it, I, I think of like the, if you were listening to the radio the year this came out, Strange Days wouldn't really sound too much like anything else you're hearing. And, you yeah. know, that that's pretty rad. Um, it, it, it's just got a good mix of that like psychedelic weird sound mixed with just like a good rock band um like a good 60s rock band um so it, it's a great record but um not not quite like the masterpiece um okay of, okay. of whatever i put at number one <laughs> yeah i mean it came out nine months after the 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 self-titled yeah. so there's just no doubt that some of these songs were probably laying around during that recording. Maybe they were all already written. You know what I mean? Who knows? Uh, maybe, yeah. you, maybe you do, Dan. But um, I don't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> but, you know, there's no... The sound is very much the same. I mean, Jim sounds exactly like he does on that self-titled. Like you, It would be a struggle if you really didn't know much about The Doors to try to pinpoint whether this was their first record or their second record you know what i mean um mm-hmm. the, but but the difference the difference is and the reason why this is like my number three is that 
overall the songs just aren't as strong as that first record yes when the music's Mm. over is absolutely worth the price of admission you should i mean if this is the song you should absolutely listen to if you're gonna listen to anything from this record um Mm, yeah you know love me two times good song great song you know great song i I love moonlight drive that was one of my favorites uh people are strange was i really love that yeah but then you have like uh, unhappy girl hmm horse latitudes you kind of already mentioned <laughs> you know my eyes have seen you okay i can't wait to see i, like I just one. come on skip i want when the music's over <laughs> just get on with it you know like, <laughs> i mean I, here's my thing is that and I'll, I'll jump ahead this is my number two actually um i already said my number three was la woman and my number two strange days and you know it's weird because it definitely sounds like an album of outtakes from the first album mm-hmm. It just so happens that that first album, spoiler alert, spoiler alert is uh, one of the best albums ever fucking made. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> yeah. you know, outtakes from the sessions that made one of the greatest yeah. pieces of popular music ever. And I think a bunch of this stuff is, you know, kind of worthy of that, especially when the music's over. But think about this, you know, like the riff from when the music's over is basically just Soul Kitchen. It's like almost the same song completely. And they got two perfect songs out of the same idea. And I think they were actually pretty good at that. They were like, they were kind of like, they remind me of the strokes or something where it's just like, they come out fully formed and then all they could really do was riff on the thing that they had invented. (laughs) And they were good enough that they got, you know, I think there's a lot of filler and stuff as you get through these albums, but let's say they got a total of, three lps at least three or four lps worth of like great great music Mm -hmm. and some of the best music of the decade and you know i find this album doesn't have any flow at all and doesn't you know other than the you know thank god they were smart enough to end it with when the music's over (laughs) i don't know how how hard that was uh, to figure out but it has no flow at all and really just does sound like a bunch of outtakes but then if you just kind of think about it you know you mentioned a couple of the weak ones Darren, but other than the ones you mentioned, these would all be like in the top 500 songs of the 60s, I think. Like at least yeah. half of this record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe we should have put together like the best Doors album from the songs. I was thinking that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that would have been <laughs> Just fun. like we did with Weezer. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, what When we talk about the sequencing, one thing that really bugs me on this uh, my eyes have seen you, and then I can't see your face in my mind. <laughs> don't don't put the two like they had the good sense to split up strange days and people are strange. Split yeah, up the two did. songs about seeing things. Also, that, <laughs> I it, like on a. I always like on um, waiting for the sun. You know, it's like you know, summer's almost gone. And you're like, oh no. And it's like, wintertime love. Like, oh, phew, okay. Doesn't matter that summer is gone. Uh, you know, everything's going to be all right. Like, immediately. That has to be on purpose. But you're right. Um, okay, so anything else to say about uh, about this record? This was your, both of your number threes and my number two. We can refer yeah, back s- to it, but yeah, go on. I would say that this one, my favorite cover of all their records. I think this one has the coolest cover. I, I like, you know, it's just this weird cavalcade of, uh, of of people. Yeah. But then the, I like they sneak the poster of the band in the back. Um, oh, I don't yeah. know, just my favorite yeah, cover. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if it can beat the the first one, but um, but yeah, this is a this is a fine record, I think, and I think we can we can touch back on it. But uh, 
All right, I've given my number two. I guess I can kind of figure out, Dan, what is your number two? My number two is L.A. Woman. Um, Interesting. You know, I'm surprised that that you would like this one so much because it's not, you know, it's a little more traditional, maybe, or do you not see it that way? Yeah, I know. It it is weird that I like this record so much. Um, But in fact, like, throughout my entire uh, life of liking The Doors, I've always kind of gone back and forth between this one and the first one being being my favorite. Wow. Um, Like, honestly. Um, I don't know what it is about this this record. It's just really dope. In fact, when I remember when I was a, a young lad in, in high school, um, I had the first Doors record. That was the first one I got. And then I bought like the box set that, that had all the um, CDs. And Darren was already uh, into the Doors, and I told him I had got this, and he was explaining them all to me. And he said, <laughs> and he said when you get to L.A. Woman, it's going to sound like Jim has a beard, because he does. <laughs> And, uh, and if that, that's, I remember that for, that was probably like fucking like 15 years ago or something, maybe more than that. And I, I still, when I think, when I listen to this record, I always think sounds like that motherfucker's got a beard. uh, (laughs) It does. I like a good beard, I guess. But nah, I mean, it's just, it's like a weird, like distorted version of the blues. I I have always sort of had an affinity for, uh, the blues and, you know, this record just like takes it and makes it a little weird, makes it a little dirty. And uh, I don't know. I really, I just really like this record a lot. Yeah. I mean, so Darren, you had this at number four. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we mentioned that, that much negative stuff about it when we were discussing it earlier, but I mean, why so low? Why wouldn't it reach number two for you? Do you find it a little ordinary? Like, yeah, I mean, like a little bit better Morrison Hotel or something. I think it's a lot better Morrison Hotel, but okay, a lot of the Jim Morrison, you know, mythology just seems gone. You know what I mean? I, I know he has yeah. like that that whole idea of like celebration of the lizard, the lizard king, all this sort of stuff that like I cringe about. Um, you know, if I think about myself and how big of a fan i was back then it's just all gone you know what i mean like you don't see that's kind of great true. you don't see great posters of bearded jim morrison you know you see posters <laughs> of like the yeah. shirtless young jim who was just two years younger from, from the <laughs> jim morrison but uh yeah. you know like it's just it's a great record it's fun but like it you know this could be a different band almost you know what i mean like it just doesn't feel like the same the original yeah you know that's why i'm I'm really surprised dan that you would go from like (laughs) this record to their debut as being your favorite yeah yeah i mean so dan you said that you found morrison hotel like kind of ordinary like maybe most bands could have done this and you wouldn't listen to it and think well this is obviously one of the best bands of the 60s what makes la woman so different yeah, I think that it's just, like I said, the uh, Morrison Hotel is just sort of ordinary rock songs with, like, a blues tinge. Here, I think we've got, like, a, a distorted version of the blues. You know, like, almost like a, a sort of, like, proto-punk version of, of the blues sure. here. And, you know, I just I just love that, like... I love taking, uh, like, when anyone takes, like, a form, especially a form that's, like, known for being you know, real, you know, about, uh, technical, technically good and everything. Um, and, and, and distorting it, not, not to say that, you know, they don't play well on this record or anything. It's just like, there's some dirt here that you wouldn't hear on, on, um, a blues record. The, the, um, 
the lyrics get weird um you know as jim would do uh it's just it's just this like nightmare blues album and hmm I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I, know. I, I feel I've like always tra- loved this record. I feel like there's definitely some tracks on here that are that are getting close to like dad rockish. You know, even like "L.A. Woman," which is like a great song. I mean, my my uncle and my dad like they they love <laughs> that song. You know, they think of the Doors. Yeah, and they'll they'll quote "L.A. Woman" before they'll quote "Light My Fire." You know what I mean? I mean, here's no. my thing, and we'll get into this, but you know, the Doors are so they're so influential. I think, and if you you know if you don't respect them you know you think they're lame dad rock like you really ought to think twice about that because i think what you're getting at dan is that you know think about somebody like nick cave nick cave is basically you know just he's like a disciple of jim morrison i mean just completely Mm -hmm. you know and so it sounds like what you're saying is that this is kind of like you know it's like if nick cave played the blues which he does and he plays them like in a you know way only nick cave can and it's something like dark there's something dark about it there's like a dark underbelly it's like almost post-punk blues and i do hear that on this record and when i think about like um you know the whole like city at night part of la woman i mean the way he's yelling that it just sounds so much like somebody like ian curtis another disciple of Mm -hmm. jim morrison um he could sing that exact hook you know the same way he would do like um on transmission or something there you know i I totally get that there's something kind of something that was missing for morrison hotel is that kind of like darkness that the doors used to have it's like they kind of rediscover it here do you you think i'm on the right track dan yeah yeah exactly i think i think nick gave's a good example and and i love nick cave basically for the same reasons that i that i love this record yeah, they've. I, I guess because you know this is when the legal problems and everything like really started mounting uh, for Jim. Um, basically, you know, right before he flees the country, essentially, and you know, so it, it brings back that like darkness and weirdness and all. Whereas, like something like Morrison Hotel is is just basically devoid of any of that. You know, it's just sort of a straight rock record, yeah. blues record. Um, and here, you know, I, I just, I, I don't think it's, it's straight at all. It's, uh, it's, it's just this weird bastardization of the blues. Yeah. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that. And maybe Darren sees it as a little more ordinary. And I, I think I could be persuaded of that as well, that maybe I'm like adding the stuff I already knew about the doors and the, like the mythology that, you know, is really cool about it. Um, Maybe it's not here anymore, like you're saying, but I just like can't help but think about it or something. Um, Except you're, when you talk about the mythology, you are forgetting the whole Mr. Mojo Rising uh, bit, you know. That's true. Here we Jim, go. Jim uh, <laughs> not really being dead and you know, faking his own death, changing his name to Mr. <laughs> Mojo Rising, which is a, uh anagram of his of his name. So there's, there's a little bit of here. mythology there's here. There's some stuff in here. He's not like the sexy, young, you know, spry 25-year-old uh, that he <laughs> right? used to be. But, <laughs> but uh, you know. All right. Anyway, okay. So that's your two. I already said my two, which is Strange Days. And what's your two, Darren? <clears throat> my number two is the self-titled. No, I'm just kidding. It's oh, oh, I, I was, I was ready to jump through this microphone. <laughs> I, I was just about to turn off <laughs> Skype and just be gone. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's waiting for the sun. Um, okay. And this, you know, surprise it kind of surprised me because I remember thinking that Sur- Waiting for the Sun was always like my second favorite Doors record even when I was young. So I I thought coming back to this that 
<clears throat> it wouldn't be. Um, but, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Strange Days and how it's like so similar to the self-titled. Then we talk about how the soft parade, they're running out of ideas and Morrison Hotel are kind of like trying something a little different, a little more stripped down. Like Waiting for the Sun, I feel like is the one record where they they experiment um quite a bit and i feel like it works and the one thing that i i really hang on to is um <clears throat> not to touch the earth because i really wish that it was just all of celebration <clears throat> of the lizard sure. to be honest because even though the the one studio recording that i think was on that box set dan is like mm-hmm. pretty not great um that live one that i sent you a long time ago uh yeah, yeah. they have all the different sections of it strung together works really well and I, I just wish that they had somehow found a way to to make it happen but anyway um so here's here's it why is, I mean, we kind of go ahead no i was gonna i was just gonna say it is weird that they didn't get it together it, it's almost like last minute because the inside of the record uh is a giant picture that says celebration of the lizard with a picture of a lizard and then the yeah. lyrics to the entire celebration of a lizard so to me, I like to think that like the band members just weren't willing to go where Jim wanted to go. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it does it feel like that too, a little bit. It was just too far. You know, like the end is was just enough. Uh, when the music's over, was just enough. But like Celebration Lizard is like literally him reciting poetry, and they're trying to like keep up, and they probably I don't know. Like, I just feel like there was some they just collided, and they weren't able to 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 do that i i feel like the other band members like weren't really as interested in jim's mythology you know what i mean like i think that they were yeah it just doesn't seem it just doesn't there's i don't know we can talk about that uh, after we get through the albums but anyway um so let me list the the songs here so hello i love you excellent <laughs> love street's good not to touch the earth obviously a, a favorite you guys hate it on the unknown soldier i fucking love that song that i song just is, the skit the i skit love all the just, song parts i love it and then they go, they try something different with Spanish Caravan, which I thought was, was See, cool. I, I also hate how that. it's like, yeah, like it's like the Unknown Soldier. It's like a great like minute long song or something with like a lot of just skit stuff going on. And then we go directly into Spanish Caravan, which well, is like close. a 30 second like Spanish guitar intro. It's like, can you just give me some fucking rock? Like I've been waiting so long. <laughs> well, Unknown Soldier does close side A, yeah. you know, and I feel like that's yeah, an appropriate yeah. song to close side A. Um, and then we get up to, so like Mild Wild, My Wild Love, I, I like that song. Again, they're like trying something different. You know what I mean? Like they're sort of abandoning the simple organ, guitar, drums. Um, backing music yeah. for something a little bit different a little more into that jim morrison like you know a I'm, like a, I'm, a, collective-y yeah, kind of. I'm like a yeah i'm like a native american spirit thing whatever yeah you know, like i i love that like i i feel like that gets abandoned basically after this record all the the stuff that they try here just doesn't really carry over into anything else yeah that's true um so that was part of the reason why it's always been a favorite of, of mine. I totally agree that the sequencing is is terrible, but I don't really listen to this record in the sense that like that I really care about the sequencing. I'm just really interested in the different songs. It's almost like a miniature white album type of approach where they're just trying a lot of it, different it kind stuff, of is. You know? <laughs> and what I've what I've like sort of learned in the like I don't know some of this is, has come up a couple times I think in our episodes we've done. It's like 
if you got it, if you're going to do the white album, like really, you got to do it mm-hmm. because if you try to cram it into 40 minutes, it's going to sound terrible. You know, <laughs> like if, if that's what you're going for, you got lots of different ideas and you want to experiment and stretch out, like, please go onto two discs or something, you know, because it's going to mm-hmm. be a disaster if you do it on just one. And, you know, I just, I feel like I, you could just shuffle this album. It yeah. wouldn't like make a difference. Yeah. I feel like also kind of what you were saying about the celebration of the lizard, you know, I think about that too. Um, but kind of with every song, it just kind of makes me think of like what could have been. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, you know, I hear like not to touch the earth and I'm like, you know, wow, I wish I could have heard, you know, like I wish I could have finished that. Or I hear like five to one and I'm like, man, I wish, would have been cool if they kind of like went in that direction a little bit more or, you know, like every song just makes me think of like a make-believe record that yeah. I'm not currently. That might be why I to. have it at number two. Cause I'm just thinking like this could have been so great. You know what I mean? Like, it was <laughs> yeah. <so> close. <laughs> it's really missing that long sprawling track. I, I feel like if you, Absolutely. if you put celebration of the lizard or something on here, you've got a, a really good contender for like a top three or top two album, you know? Yeah, I agree yeah. with you there. And it does feel like after this, they just kind of like lost their way for a while. It's mm-hmm. like they had grand plans at least for this one and they didn't pan out and it just like they didn't. And I think he was actually threatening to quit the band around this time and they convinced him, like, please don't quit. This next one's going to be so good. Trust me. It's called <laughs> Soft Parade. Yeah. Um, Check out this song. It's called Touch Me. You're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow he stuck around, but uh, I think he also, there's something just like some magic is lost after this one, but there's a lot of what could have been. Um, okay, so we can, you know, touch back on everything, compare and contrast, but we are at number one. Sounds like we have a consensus. The Doors self-titled from 1967. Dan, do you agree with me this is just one of the best things ever made? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, there, you know, there was a, a large portion of, of my teenage life where this was my favorite record. And, you know, it's not my favorite record anymore, but it it's definitely uh, an album I'll listen to uh, here and there uh, to this day. And it's just fantastic you know anytime i you know maybe i'll go a year two years three years and i won't listen to it you know and then i decide to throw it on and you just brought right back uh to how fantastic this is it's it's nuts for this band to come out of the gate so fully formed um and so like great um just right off the bat i mean because even they had only been a band for a couple, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly how long, but not, not for very long before this record, um, is, is recorded. Um, it's just fantastic. What about you, Darren? Yeah. I mean, I absolutely adore this record. Um, I talked about how there's not too many 10 out of 10 doors records. Like we were talking about, this is the one, this is the 10 out of 10 that where they just nail it pretty much start to finish. Um, it's amazing for this to be like a debut album, um, because in some ways this is Jim Morrison's, you know, his peak almost, you know what I mean? Like there, there are moments on the record where it's like, he never gets any better. And, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, so as far as like re-listening to it, like, yeah, this is definitely the one album that I will come always like want to come back to. And, uh, interestingly enough, my my youngest son um, was really into the the Minions, the Minions movie, and they, <laughs> yeah. they feature Break On Through to the other side. So he actually knows <laughs> oh, wow. that track. Well, because, nice. you know, they go Amazing. through the 60s, like the Minions and what they're doing. And, of course, this is the song that, like, basically represents the 60s. And I, I think it's pretty oh, wow. uh, pretty accurate. So, 
You know, I think that, you know, for me, this record, all right, I got a couple of things to say. Here's my thing. If you like, don't think that this is one of the best records ever made, like maybe you went through, through it in high school and now you're like, that's kind of embarrassing. That's dad rock or whatever. His poetry is embarrassing. You know, I, I think you cannot be farther from the truth. It doesn't make any goddamn sense to think that the velvet underground and Nico is cool. And this is mm-hmm. not like completely agree to me. This is like just as good as the Velvet Underground and Nico. I mean, it's like a revelation. And pay attention to that date, okay? January 4th, 1967, mm-hmm. okay? So we're practically in 1966. What in 1966 sounded like this? I mean, at the end, it's as dark and like foreboding and psychosexual and there are just levels to it, the way it like stretches out and mm-hmm. uses empty space. I mean, this is as good as... Um, Venus and Furs by the Velvet Underground, heroin, okay? And yet it's almost a year early, all right? It's as dark as any Joy Division song, okay? And it's like more than a decade early. It's, you know, the best Nick Cave song that Nick Cave ever wishes he could write. And I fucking love Nick Cave, okay? I mean, and, and you know, and that's just like one song. If we go into like Break On Through to the Other Side, I mean, we are so far before punk, but that song just rips like harder than any Sex Pistols song, you know? Um, light my fire. I know this isn't like the coolest reference, but like that jam, like the Grateful Dead wishes they mm-hmm. jammed that well. I mean, mm-hmm. there is not a note that I would change on that entire instrumental passage of light my fire. I think this is just, can you believe that? This is practically 1966 and it invents like all cool music that everybody likes. No, I mean, it really does. In fact, uh, you know, I, this, this is a, this is basically a proto punk record, but nobody ever, mm-hmm. nobody ever lists it as such. Uh, so much so that in 1967, right after this record, um, came out, uh, they played a prom in, at the university of Michigan and Iggy pop was in the audience. And at the time yes. he was a drummer and he saw, this was another, uh, famous, uh, disaster of the doors. Jim was drunk <laughs> out of his fucking mind, uh, f- you know, flailing about on stage and Iggy saw that and quit playing drums and decided to invent <laughs> punk rock because of this yes, because wow. of this record essentially um, I, I don't know why this doesn't get listed with the velvet underground and everything i guess it, it is like you know yeah if you pay attention to what jim says it's frequently uh, embarrassing um but on is this it record though? it's not as bad as like what it would become you know um because yeah on this one there's there's not anything that's too crazy i mean the end like you know, it, it flirts with it, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's it's too cringy lyric wise. Still or based anything. on you know, still based on something else. It's not like c- completely him. You know, his own yeah, yeah, exactly. Like off yeah. the deep end, you know what I mean. So I, I think it's exactly. Fair. I, I think this is like you know, sort of like a like a rocket ship taking off, just an explosion. You know, of like great ideas um in a scene like you you had sort of set up gabe like that just didn't exist like there wasn't anything out there <laughs> there's nothing and they're just they're just writing the book as it's happening on this record you know what i mean like they're yeah at the forefront literally at the forefront um mm-hmm. doing this and it's it, it's incredible i mean another thing i love is that you know there's something i can't even explain this properly but like the 60s you know there just wasn't this really idea of like a front man it just did it wasn't like a thing um you know just in the early 60s right it's like this kind of the mid 60s it's like these always these pop groups it's like the singer is meant to kind of like be just part of the song not stand out too much exactly and by the time we get to the 70s we have like you know obvious frontmen okay i think that 
I mean, Jim Morrison is the first front man because what are the, I mean, what are the Rolling Stones doing in 1966? You know, a lot of people think of like, you know, Mick Jagger as the prototypical front man. And I would agree with that. Um, but in like 1966, they're kind of like a pop Beatles ish band, you right? Know? Um, he, this yeah, because like even the, the Beatles, there's no front man. Yeah, it's right, not front man playing thing. instruments and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they're like they're part of the song. This is like a, a genuine front man where his like charisma and his stage presence like drives the whole thing. And we talked about it earlier, earlier, but like even the parts where he's not <laughs> singing, you know, like this whole five minute stretch and light my fire, you know, he's just like his presence is there, and you know he's coming, and it's like. He, he is, you know, he's like the first Mick Jagger. He's the first Robert Plant. He's the first um, David Bowie. I don't think you have you have any of those guys without, I mean, this is like the blueprint. I just can't, I can't believe anybody disrespects this record. And you're, you're right that it's kind of, it's got like a post-punk vibe. It's got a, a very experimental sort of avant-garde vibe because, you know, just the idea of this, um, this arrangement where it's like, Organ is almost the whole thing, you know, and it's a lot of these like kind of, you know, the drums are sparse often and the guitar is super sparse, like often just sort of peppering. Um, You know, I can't even think of that many bands that sort of took this up, but all I can think of is like the post-punk world where they were like, well, bass will be, you know, the low end will create all this empty space. Um, It took like 10 years for anybody to kind of catch up Mm -hmm. with the doors. Yeah, I mean, this record, you know, if you didn't know when this came out, it's a little, it, I mean, it's hard to place. It, 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 the only reason it's easy is because Break On Through and Light My Fire were such big yeah, hits that so everyone classic. knows they're from the 60s. But if, if you didn't, you know, if those re- songs didn't exist and, and you didn't know about them, it would be hard to place this record in, in the 60s. You know, I I, I think it, it it's much more of a 70s sound, but I think the 70s sound like that because of this record so you know it's hard to say but yeah i mean jim is definitely the like uh first front man um it, it, it's 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 crazy i i don't know i guess it's because everybody gets a little like everybody gets a little too into the doors when they're young and then yeah. i think i think you just kind of yeah like you could because you look back and like a lot of the stuff you liked when you were young probably sucks you know um and so i think like everybody just sort of unfairly assumes that this one's in that pile but um, i also think that they they influence like everybody including dad rock i mean they're a huge part of the dad rock Mm -hmm. tradition and so when you're in high school you're kind of like in this dad going through this dad rock phase you know this classic rock thing and you're like oh yeah jim morrison robert plant you know these are like the coolest front men ever and you know like blah blah and then you kind of just sort of associate him in that group and maybe like throw you know throw it all out um but then later if you come back to it and you kind of realize like you know now that now i love swans holy shit jim morrison is like the god of swans you know um yeah i i like you know i like nick cave i like what you know all this other stuff that you know i think that it's easy to forget but if you go back and you just look at him in the in the context of a different tradition you'll realize like he's there too you, you kind of feel me on all this darren yeah, definitely. Uh, and I was going to sort of add from a different angle, like whoever, you know, publicist or whatever, like thought to, you know, sexualize Jim Morrison in such a way and make these like incredible, you know, all these like f- photographs and just, you know, like I'm sure a lot of that was J- Jim's own idea. But I also think that whoever was like thinking about this sort of thing, like they really nailed it, you know, like they kind of invented and helped 
create that persona that like just goes so far beyond his death. You know what I mean? Like you can't think of the sixties without seeing an image of Morrison like that, you know? That's because the person who did all that is Danny Fields. Uh, he was their manager and the person who discovered them. Um, and he also discovered the Ramones, the Stooges, and uh, th- basically every other great band from the 60s and uh, early 70s. Um, yeah, There's a well, documentary about him on, uh, I think it's on Netflix. That's yeah, he's the guy rad. I'm talking about then, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yep, no, yep. That's a huge part of all this, you know? Also... Um, you know, do you guys agree with me that I was saying earlier, there's something so amazing about this album where it is all, it's all there. Like all of these things that the doors were kind of into somehow are effortlessly combined. So like, obviously the blues are a big part, but it's weird how for, you know, for Jim Morrison, like backdoor man, which is a cover, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of like a Delta blues kind of a, of a thing. Um, for him like the the poetry of that like old blues tradition is the same as like the french symbolist poetry tradition you know like rimbaud or something it's the same world somehow as like greek tragedy the oedipus uh myth and everything you know it's like he's effortlessly doing this and then of course there's musical aspects like there's jazz influence um swirling through all of this there's really i mean again talk about like how ahead of the ahead of their time they are something like the crystal ship or end of the night is you know the most psychedelic thing that you would have been able to hear in january of 1967 um but there's like these psychedelics there's delta blues there's like this gothic kind of romanticism thing that nico would totally run with um in the coming years um you know greek tragedy this shaman like native american thing i mean what i'm asking is like it all feels so effortlessly combined here and then for some reason in every album after this they're like separate entities usually it's like oh this will be our song that's like kind of chamber pop and this will be like our jazzy proggy song and this will be our bluesy song you know yeah i don't know like what causes that you know did was it just an accident that all of it ends up on this record or you know did did they get caught up in in each part of that and and try to split you know think that you know this this thing was better than the other and try to do it on the record you know is it just so organic on this one that they couldn't right. replicate it um right i mean i wonder just, you know when you're when you're writing your first album and you're so full of like great ideas you have nothing to compare it to nothing to go back against you know like you're just mm-hmm. everything sounds good i think everyone is like fully inspired i mean you know one of the great things, like you mentioned earlier, like Dan, the doors were pretty great live. I mean, they have a lot of really great live tracks and that energy, um, that he brings on the stage is right here on this record too. You know, like it just, it feels mm-hmm, yeah. like, it feels like were, a live album. Yeah. Almost. Like it, it's, it's all there. And then, so in the subsequent albums after that, I imagine the struggle of like, well, how do we top what we've done you know what i mean how do we how do we get past this how do we make this not sound like uh the yeah. end or light my fire whatever like you know and we'll we'll probably talk about this a bit more but like their uh their style you know mainly an organ uh blues guitarist a jazzy kind of drummer you know it's yeah. it doesn't really change very much in the subsequent records like there's a little bit of 
new, you know, new stuff introduced, but I feel like there was like a struggle there. Whereas bands like the Beatles and others just, it so they so naturally progressed and changed and, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so cleverly introduced new instrumentation. Whereas I feel like the doors just never were able to do that successfully, you know? And I feel like it's, it's almost like once you have to think about it, 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 it's like impossible because you know Mm -hmm. just imagine it's like they just did it and they're young and they just did it but just imagine (laughs) sitting down and mike making a list you know if i was like all right darren and dale we're gonna start a musical project i want to combine greek tragedy (laughs) with like kind of gothic romanticism with like french symbolist poetry delta blues kind of like a circus vibe um shaman uh native american stuff um and jazz (laughs) and you tried to write a song you know like Okay, let's yeah. get started doing I mean, that. It would just be fucking impossible, right. you know? But somehow they kind of just did it there. And then it was like the bubble was burst because mm-hmm. they were like, oh shit, how do we put all that stuff in another song? It's, I don't know. It just makes this thing so special. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. All right. Well, we got through our list. They were not that different. Um, I think we should review them. You want to uh, count yours down again, Dan? Yeah. I went. Um soft parade last place uh followed by morrison hotel um followed by waiting for the sun followed by strange days la woman and the doors self-titled what about you darren uh it was soft parade morrison hotel la woman strange days waiting for the sun and then the doors self-titled and I got number six, The Soft Parade, five, Morrison Hotel, four, Waiting for the Sun, three, L.A. Woman, two, Strange Days, and number one, The Doors. So what did we learn from this exercise, from revisiting uh, The Doors in these two weeks? That minus a couple tracks here and there, The Doors are are a great band and uh, don't, don't deserve the sort of uh, bad rap looking back that... Uh, a lot of people give them uh you know i feel like they are just just okay at this point i mean i love the self-titled record don't get me wrong but like as a whole you know I, something that i was thinking about asking you guys and i, I i'm pretty sure I, I know the answer now but like you know the doors work really well when you're in your youth but let's say you just missed it somehow in your youth is this a band that you think you know, a 30 something or 40 something could actually get into like with a completely fresh start or will they immediately be turned off by, you know, like Morrison's persona? I think the self-titled you, you could get into. Um, but I, I mean, that is a really good question. Uh, you know, is it one of those sort of, you had to be there at a certain time kind of things? Maybe, but you know, I mean, I'm 31 now and re-listening to these records, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed them, but yeah, I mean, I do have like those nostalgia, uh, feelings from listening to it younger. Um, I don't know. I I think the self-titled you could get into probably LA woman, uh, maybe strange days, everything (laughs) else. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little, a little bit of difficulty. See, I think that for some reason I, I have no, like weight whatsoever no burden of cringiness or anything anymore uh, it's like i went through that period where i was like 
uh, Jim Morrison is a dickhead and I, you know, I just don't listen to the doors anymore. And then it was like, I kind of revisited them and was just so shocked at how good, especially that first album is. And I don't even find it embarrassing at all anymore. And I don't like really think about the myth of, of Jim Morrison when I'm listening. It's like, you know, like stuff like, um, I don't know, like, you know, how there's, there's just always this sort of like rediscovery. So when it comes to like the beach boys, you know, I'm always like meeting people that are really into like kind of the seventies beach boys albums. And it's not that they're like great, but it's just that you get these kind of passionate people that are like, there's a bunch of songs on here that are like really, really good. You know, it's really cool. Um, I feel like you could do that with basically any of the albums after the self-titled and i think people will kind of come back and be like wow strange days like at least half of this thing is just like complete gems um same with waiting for the sun and so on and so on and you know there'll be that gem hunting thing that'll happen but i think people gotta they gotta wake up to the uh hey wake up (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) to the uh to the first album and just realize that it's a masterpiece that like writes the rest of history of like the coolest music that you like um if you are listening to it and you're like this sounds like dad rock you know just you're wrong and you should just like i don't know listen to swans the seer once and then throw the end on right afterwards and be like holy shit this is uh the same tradition stretching all the way through um if you got a problem it's on you yeah i don't know i feel like i kind of disagree i feel like if you didn't really catch this in your youth when you're sort of you know, forming your own thoughts on things and kind of understanding like ego and your own whatever, like just coming into uh, adulthood, I guess. Like I, if you if you miss that connection with Jim Morrison, I feel like you'll never truly dive in all the way. Like you could probably appreciate the first record, like you mentioned, Dan, but I I think almost immediately after listening to that first record, you're, you'll be disappointed by everything else like you just won't be willing to give it a chance you know like when i was young jim morrison was like he was like a god you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. everything he did everything he wrote was just like i just wanted to be him almost you know like i i wanted to understand what his mindset and i thought that he had somehow unlocked something (laughs) crazy but uh so so every album you know you mentioned gabe like yeah there's some gems on here and there you know what i didn't care like the whole album was great to me at the in those days like i appreciated yeah. all of it i i don't know if they're strong enough to hold up without that mythology kind of backing it you know like I, I just i don't know i feel like if you've missed it you'd have a really hard time appreciating it the same way that we do i don't know man i think it's cool because it's like you know people i mean i don't know why people get like upset that jim morrison considered himself a poet you know it's like patty smith considers herself a poet and she's a badass kim gordon you know, is like a poet in my mind. And, um, Jim Morrison is like a poet and maybe there's some like, you know, and I also found listening in these past two weeks, it was kind of fun because maybe when I was in high school, I thought he was like really, you know, just really cool and like really romantic or something. And then I'm listening now to some of these love songs and I'm like, he's kind of like creepy and stalkerish, you know? And yeah. calling people like little girls that, that really, yes. I don't think that would hold up today. <laughs> but I don't think that that was like, I really don't believe that that was completely unintentional. Like, I think a lot of his like sort of first person narrations about love are like intentionally troubling. Um, and like problematic in the sense that he's like a wreck and 
sometimes predatory and sometimes totally desperate. And, um, you know, it's like, maybe you just listen to his, like his myth, his character. I mean, just listen to it like kind of critically if you have to, but it's still like, I don't know. Why should we shit on musicians who want to, who want to like write interesting things? I don't, I just don't understand. I don't think that I'm wanting to do that. I just, you know, when you read into the backstory and you read how he was like, in a lot of ways you might come up with just like, well, he was kind of just a drunk and, Mm-hmm. you know took a lot of drugs and then would just kind of act like that person at a party who like went way too far and was being sure. obnoxious you know what i mean like i could totally see that being a thing and like some people will say well that's just him you know he's he's just above all of you whatever like yeah but can't you like listen like that's what i'm saying is like can't you now listen with like a critical distance so when he's like you know saying that you know saying stuff like that you can be like wow this is like a a view into the mind of somebody who's a complete fucking mess and that's interesting you know like i I like movies that are about people that i don't admire you know so like why you see what i'm saying like why do i have to admire jim morrison i think i think what i think what arises is that like when we were all younger like you know we thought it was so cool you know like his recklessness it it was like you know the the same reason like that allure of punk uh you know gets you so much when when you're a kid you know he was just like sort of the ultimate rebel but then when you grow up you learn you know like oh no he's just an addict uh you know an alcoholic that is a as a mess of a person and you know so he loses that like coolness and and the mythology i mean i I don't think that takes away from the music at all but like no uh, with with a lot of bands and i mean maybe this is just me i you know i'm someone i i get like you know real into bands i'll I'll read books about them i'll read about you know the, the the certain members you know i'll read books about or something and like you know jim is sort of perfect for that but again, like, you know, some, some other bands, like, you know, I was super into, like, John Lennon when I was a kid. And, like, you grow up and, like, John Lennon's, like, you, you see that he's, like, a little, you know, he's got some flaws and stuff that maybe you don't see sure. when you're younger. But, like, I, I feel like he's just as cool now to me as he was when I was 13. Whereas, like, Jim was, like, the coolest person in the world when to me when I was 13, 14. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, now it's like, uh, no, I mean, like, I think Darren said, like, he's like that person at a party that, like, went too far. And, like, if you're drunk, sometimes that's, you're like, oh, fuck, I remember when, you know, Jim was shitting on the sofa, you know, or something. <laughs> and you're like, that was crazy. But then, like, if you're the sober one at the party, you're like, oh, you know, what a, what a fucking asshole. And, like, I, right. I think now we're the sober ones at the party. Yeah. And but it, it doesn't take away it doesn't hold up. I don't want it. I don't want you to think that. I no, no. Don't like the music because I'm all. I'm just too busy thinking that he's a drunk. It, that's really not the case. In fact, my favorite songs are when are when they really lean into that. We talked about the sprawling poem. Yeah. You know that those are the best songs, and there's actually not enough of that. You know, especially yeah, in their right. their later records, they kind of go away from that, and I I feel like it hurts those records. Yeah, I you know I just think he's he's you know don't like. I know that probably all those like famous biographies, you know, that came out like in the eighties and nineties and stuff, they really glorify his behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, that's unhealthy, uh, to, to buy into that. Um, but if you can look at it from a distance and just be like, wow, this is like a fascinating look into like somebody who was really, really kind of a mess and, um, you know, really hurtful to other people and to himself ultimately. Um, 
it it just doesn't have to be cringy. That's that's just how I feel about the the lyrical stuff. But you know, I guess we're going a little bit over. Um, I did want to ask quickly. You know, you you mentioned older people, Darren, um, people who missed the teenage years. But whoever you are, whatever age you are, is every Doors album something that you should listen to? Are the Doors such that even like Soft Parade people sh- should hear it? Ah, I. I don't think so. I, I I don't think you you know Soft Parade, Morrison Hotel, though those ones are only for you know if you you get real into it. Um, I don't think those are in any way classics or muscle. So you, you can write the history of rock music or pop music without mentioning Soft Parade or Morrison Hotel. I know you're trying to walk me into some trap, here. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to figure out what that trap is so I can answer correctly. Uh, I think. I think you can definitely, I won't say definitely, but I, I think you can more easily write off Morrison Hotel. Um, I, I can't, I, you know, I just can't really think of anything. Uh, I'm maybe like shitty rock records that come. I can't think of anything good that, uh, that comes from Morrison Hotel. Um, Soft Parade, I will give you, like you mentioned when we were talking about that record, you know, the whole chamber pop, chamber pop yeah. thing. That That's probably got some... Um, some roots in the soft parade and yeah that's worthwhile but like you don't have to listen to everything that is the root of what you you like you know uh things can sure. be rooted from <laughs> shitty things <laughs> sure sure i what feel you like think, you Gary? i feel like you've got to hear touch me um if anything you know forget the rest of the soft parade but you've that song is is, is yeah one that has you'll to catch heard. it on the radio though man yeah that sax solo that sax solo is to die for i swear to god <laughs> Um, so if you're starting out with the doors and you happen to make the mistake of listening to like a greatest hits record, you'll get the, you'll get touch me on there. I'm, I'm quite confident in that. There yeah. You know. But exactly. um, I think I did that actually. Yeah, you know, I, was I was thinking, thinking about the it. Same thing, maybe. Cause I used to have a greatest hits album and it's like a bunch of these records. I know like a bunch of the songs uh, really well. And then the other ones I'm like always kind of forgetting about them. Um, I must have, you know, I definitely listened like later, but it's just funny because back in those days I was remembering, you know, I I could basically afford to buy like one CD a week or every two weeks. (laughs) And if I already had like half the songs on the greatest hits, there's no way I'm spending 13 (laughs) bucks to get like the other five songs, you know, you remember this, I was just not buying that. You remember those 20th century, uh, records or whatever? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was always like a a black and white picture and then it was like silver writing on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I may have had the doors. 20th century or something like that nice 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 it's i think you need a greatest hits um okay we're way over do you guys forgive morrison for whipping his dick out i think that's what we were trying to get to the bottom of today. <laughs> yeah that, that was the whole point well i listened to the miami show today the audio <laughs> i didn't hear when, uh, any dicks yeah no, i didn't, didn't i didn't hear us any, any dick being taken out any zipper no. sound or anything no like no that. there was there was no zipper <laughs> It didn't sound like a dick came out to me. I I, I think he was fine. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think the state of Florida should have um, given him a pardon because he shit talks Florida during during uh, oh. during that whole thing, and so that's a little annoying. So I I, I forgive him for case? whipping his dick out, <laughs> but I say don't pardon him. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. All right, well since that's settled, we we forgive him for whipping his dick out. Um, so next week. Um, 
we or, or two weeks rather <laughs> we do this every two weeks i keep forgetting that uh we're not sure what we're uh doing yet did anybody else whip their dick out <laughs> maybe we could do it I don't yeah know. Um, any other anniversaries <laughs> let let us know in fact if you know of any uh dicks that were whipped um <laughs> pop shield pop uh, pop shield pod at gmail.com if you like the show help us out subscribe leave us a five star uh, review wherever you get your podcast stay connected twitter facebook Instagram, all that stuff is at Pop Shield Pod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long.